now on Sunday Extra, we're going to take a dip into the abyss, the deep ocean abyss. This week, the journal Nature Communications published a study by researchers at the University of Copenhagen warning of a, quote, forthcoming collapse of something called the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, or AMOC for short. It's a system of deep ocean currents that circulate water within the Atlantic Ocean. Matthew England is Professor of Ocean and Climate Dynamics at the University of New South Wales and Deputy Director of the ARC Australian Centre for Excellence in Antarctic Science. And earlier this year, Nature published the results of his ocean model projections for overturning circulation and deep ocean warming in the Antarctic. Matthew England, welcome to Sunday Extra. Thanks, Julian. Good to be with you. It's great to have you. I have to admit that uh, when I look at the expression Atlantic meridional overturning circulation, I probably score myself one out of four. Let's start with the basics. What is overturning circulation? Yes, good question. And we, we I apologise for all the jargon that we have sometimes <laughs> in ocean climate dynamics. But yeah, it's, it's basically where the waters at the surface of the ocean sink into the interior, typically to quite deep depth. So the oceans are typically about five kilometres depth worldwide um, there's some trenches up to 10 kilometers but most of the of the ocean is about five kilometers depth and the atlantic overturning fills the the water column from about 1.5 kilometers to four kilometers so it's a big slab of the ocean's interior that, that's sort of renewed by water at the surface it comes from the north atlantic that's why we talk about the atlantic overturning circulation um, and that sort of ventilates the ocean at those depths it brings you know oxygen into the ocean and then eventually recirculates to the surface and up against Antarctica, there's a, what we call an abyssal overturning or the Antarctic overturning. And that overturning cuts in deeper. It, it actually fills up the bottom three kilometers. And if you're a student, you'll kind of say, hang on, there's an overlap there. And that's exactly right. They, they kind of collide with each other in the interior. But they're so important for our ocean ecosystems and for climate that they, they sort of fundamentally set how energy moves around the planet. And without them, we'd sort of have a very stagnant deep ocean, which is not good for marine life. Hmm. Uh, this new study refers to the fact that the IPCC report uh, AR6 said that a collapse of the AMOC in the 21st century was very unlikely. But this new study is saying that there, there could well be a forthcoming collapse this century and it could be as early as 2025. What did you make of this study? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an important study. It's a good study. I thought that pitch around 2025 wasn't so ideal because if you look at their study, it's actually saying the most likely is a collapse mid-century around about 2060, plus or minus 40 years, and everybody then sort of gravitated to the tail coming up in only a few years. And I think all evidence we have is that that overturning circulation, whilst it's slowing down, and there's evidence it's slowing down already, um, and whilst we think it's going to keep slowing down and possibly collapse, that a, that a collapse this first half of the 21st century is pretty unlikely. I think even one around 2060 is on the sort of high end of all the work I've seen. But but absolutely, very solid science that this overturning circulation is already slowing down. Um, all the projections we have for the future is that it's going to slow down further. Some of them have it collapsing 300 years from now, and this study has it collapsing much sooner. And so I think it's definitely a wake-up call um, that our climate system is changing in these very profound and rapid ways. Well, Matthew, I suppose that leads to the question, what are the implications of this slowing down just generally? And when we talk about collapse, what does that actually mean? Yeah, it, it means a whole bunch of things. So one of the things uh, is that if we slow this circulation down, we're slowing down you know, the way the oceans get their oxygen from the surface of the ocean. And also, it's really important for the ocean health at the surface of the ocean to get the nutrients that, you know, when, when marine life dies out in the ocean, 
ocean. It just sinks to the bottom. So the very bottom of the ocean is very nutrient rich. It's, it's, you know, think about the land surface. If a tree falls down and rots and decays, those nutrients go back into the soil. It's a great thing. For the oceans, when stuff dies, it rains down to the bottom of the ocean. You know, one of the ways it comes back up to the surface is these deep ocean overturning circulations. And so one of the big impacts of, of this slowdown, especially the Antarctic one that we wrote about, is you can cut off a supply of nutrients back to the surface, and that's terrible for marine ecosystems. You then get depleted ecosystems, a reduction of fish production, and that's obviously it, you know, terrible for human society because, because a lot of people rely on that as a food source. Um, full stop, we've already got a big impact we should be concerned about, but the, the list does go on. Um, these overturning circulations set where our rainfall patterns are, and so if we slow them down or, or worse still, have them collapse those rainfall patterns that we've kind of relied on being steady for where we place farming and dams for fresh water. And, you know, all of human society has developed with these overturning circulations in a pretty stable state. And so those sort of changes aren't great. You have knock-on effects that, you know, mean people don't get drinking water or the farming sector that used to rely on that water has to, you know, up and move thousand kilometers to where the rainfall falls again. So it's a disruption of our climate system at the most fundamental scale rainfall patterns, temperature patterns are changed. And that's why, you know, scientists are focused on the potential for a slowdown or collapse. Really profound implications of these massive changes. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with uh, Matthew England, Professor of Ocean and Climate Dynamics at the University of New South Wales. And Matthew, from what you were saying, this study of the Atlantic overturning circulation, does it line up pretty well with what you found in your research into the Antarctic overturning circulation? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's not just our study, but plenty of other studies um, I could talk about as well. In our study, we had this AMOC or the Atlantic overturning slowdown by 20% on top of where it already is today by 2050. So we're not. it doesn't sound like it's close, but that's already going to be 30 or 40% slowdown in our study. There's had as much as a full collapse. So it's not too far off what we found. Um, there are previous studies that found a full collapse about the same sort of time scale. Um, one of the things I like mentioning to people who kind of say, oh, come on, this is not going to happen, is that pretty much every single model we have that projects into the future, I can't think of one I've ever seen that doesn't have this overturning circulation slow down. Some slow down very gradually, takes a couple of hundred years to get there to a full collapse. Others uh, are more rapid like this study. And so that's where you know, the certainty really is that this will slow down. Whether it collapses or not depends on a bit of luck that the climate system doesn't sort of feed on itself and, and trigger big changes um, in a rapid time scale. But the other thing is our emissions of carbon dioxide, which is what we keep coming back to. You know, the, the one way we can secure minimal changes or less changes to our climate system, there's only one way we know to do that, and that is to reduce our burning of fossil fuels, reduce the amount of carbon dioxide that we're putting into the atmosphere, because that's the only way to stabilise the climate system. We've had a bunch of harebrained ideas about, you know, flying planes through the atmosphere and dumping sulphate aerosols to brown the sky. Um, people talk about, you know, putting pillars near the ice sheets to stop them melting. They're kind of fanciful sci-fi ideas that just don't work and they couldn't even be built to work. So yeah, that's what concerns me is that we're still pumping out greenhouse gases and all the while we're seeing just absolutely devastating extremes in climate already. And we're really at the very start of a climate change trend that will mature and, and get deeper and deeper um, the longer we sort of keep burning fossil fuels at the rate we are. How difficult is it to model and project 
these sorts of really deep global effects that you've been describing and how many different ways are there of doing it? Is the way that you did it for your study profoundly different from uh, what this latest University of Copenhagen study has done? Yeah, no, it's a great question. There's so many different ways we look at this and the field's about 50 years old and you know we keep adding more bells and whistles to the models and and to the first order answer that comes back of global warming is just there. And that's that's the basic physics of, of radiative transfer in the atmosphere. If you put greenhouse gases there, it's been known for centuries now that they keep heat in the, in the system. And that's great for our planet. If we don't change the concentration, we want that heat to be trapped to have a habitable climate. But doubling the concentration as we're on track to do is a huge change. In answer to your question, there are such a variety of models, and that's fantastic as a scientist to be part of this field because... There are diverse ways to go about this science. Our study, we packed all the model resolution around Antarctica. We wanted to get the flows there really accurately simulated. And there's fantastic animations you can see of these models online. And mm. it looks like you're looking at reality. The resolution these days because of computational power is so high that, you know, I, I give talks sometimes, I show observations and the models and you really can't see the difference because they've become so sophisticated. Um, this Copenhagen study... Uh, took a step back from that sort of approach, looked at observations and developed a mathematical model, more like a statistical model, and trained that model from the observations that we have and then ran it into the future and, and came up with this, you know, 2060 or so middle ground of the prediction. So a prediction of a collapse and that would occur about 2060 with the most likelihood, but with these big uncertainty bars. And sometimes people with the uncertainty bars kind of think, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. It's not at all the case. It's like a weather prediction for tomorrow There'll be a temperature there, but behind that'll be, you know, 21 plus or minus one degree or whatever. There's always mm. an uncertainty that, to these predictions. But either end of the uncertainty range is bad news. I mean, one's catastrophic at the end that's near to today, but an end of 21st century, it's only 77 years from now, end of 21st century collapse of this overturning would be catastrophic as well. And there'd be impacts that play out as we get there. It's not like you wait to 2100 and that's when things go bad. Things already change with a slowdown. And so the pathway to these tipping points is no fun either. So it's really an important message. Absolutely. Well, it seems like uh, perhaps more than one deep abyss that humanity's uh, exploring and heading into uh, at some plus or minus rate, but clearly heading in that direction. Matthew England, thank you so much for explaining what's a complicated but really fascinating area. It's been great speaking with you. Thanks so much, Julian. Really appreciate the time. And Matthew England is Professor of Ocean and Climate Dynamics at the University of New South Wales and Deputy Director of the ARC Australian Centre for Excellence in Antarctic Science. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.